Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, Mark Bakuda, we're recording. Yes. Okay. So there was zero prep for this. Okay. And, uh kind of like just winging it like that and i think for this podcast like we know each other pretty well so we shouldn't pretend we don't um okay so we'll just kind of like see what unfolds here why don't you start by uh why don't you start by sharing where that one that wonderful and unique accent uh comes from yes i'm polish but uh if like if someone who's listening to this never met me i actually live in scotland and i've been in scotland for 16 years so I think I've got a mix of the accents. Some people say I'm actually, my accent is actually like from uh, Western Islands. I actually had that yesterday at the wedding. Western Islands is like Shetland or Orkney, I think. I've never been there actually, so I don't know. But yeah, but the accent is mainly Polish with a mix of Scottish, you know. 16 years, that's quite a while to, to call that place home. Uh, like, how did you end up there in the beginning? Purely by accident. Uh, when I finished the uni, two days after the uni, or a few days after the uni, my mom and dad, they bought, bought me a trip to London. So I went to London for a week and just by accident, I met someone who offered me a job in Glasgow. I didn't even know how far Glasgow was from London and I took overnight bus. And yeah, so it meant to be for a week and I've been here for 16 years now. Nice. So I'm just going to jump into some of the things that I know about you. And when you just said that, how you just kind of ended up in Scotland, I remember uh, a few a few times we've hung out, you've kind of shared a few interesting stories about some of the like entrepreneurial ventures you've done. So why don't you why don't you start by just taking us through one of the first things you did um, to be self-employed when you ended up up in Scotland? Well, before I became like self-employed in Poland, uh, I had a few jobs here, but they're probably not worth mentioning. But yeah, self-employed, uh, me and my wife, we got an idea once that we want to open a Polish deli in Poland. That was, you know, once we realized there's more and more Polish uh, more and more Polish people coming to Scotland. <clears throat> so, yeah, that was before the recession. So it took us a long time to find the unit that we liked. And eventually we found it after 10 months and we opened the Polish daily after 12 months. We realized that this is not for us. But that was also because the recession hit and the street where when we had the unit just went like completely empty. Half of the shop shops closed and yeah. So, so we're talking 2008-ish? Probably even earlier. I can't remember, to be honest. I don't know. I think my head works the way that I don't want to remember the things that were not that good. So, yeah. <laughs> but it was, a, it was indeed, you know, when I look at it now, I was actually thinking about it this morning, that it was a good learning curve. You know, first of all, like, we've done everything in the show by ourselves, like electricity, like everything. We build the show by ourselves, just me and my wife. We're working, like, till 3 o'clock in the morning and then go back to our, like, normal jobs in the the next day and and yeah so it was good in the end and i guess i'm happy that it didn't work because i can't imagine myself now running a polish deli when i I can do what i'm doing just now and i'm much happier so that was like you did that and you also you were like flipping shoes or something right yeah well i was flipping shoes but also at that at the time i was kind of 
involved in another business. Uh, me and my friend who were running like a small courier company, uh, we were basically delivering parcels to and from Poland. Uh, uh, we had we own like the, the Scottish part of that business. So just by accident, I met someone who was selling shoes online, and uh, I didn't like when I opened like when I seen the first pair of those shoes. I, I thought like I didn't like them to be honest, but I checked on the on the internet and I thought okay. People seem to buy that stuff. So about the first 10 pairs from that guy, they sold out really quickly. And in the end, I think we sold about 20,000 pairs or something like that. So yeah, yeah, I was flipping shoes as well. 20,000, that's crazy. 20,000. I, yeah. di- I didn't know it was that many. And I also didn't know about the courier part of your, <laughs> your yeah, history. Yeah. I, 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 to be honest, when I think about it now, I don't know how, I was, like, how we were doing it because we had like, in a way, like free businesses at the same time, plus my wife had a normal job. So, yeah, it was intense. Like what, like, what are, like, you know, in a way, none of these businesses failed. We kind of, we kind of decided not to keep doing it. Like, for example, with shoes, a lot of, the, a lot of the shoes we were selling, they were like samples. So for example, like, let's say one of the, one of the shoes we were selling, they were ethnies. So ethnies would, uh, I don't know, create like 10, I don't know, let's say 1,000 pairs of different shoes, but only 10% of them would actually go into production. But we would have access to the rest 900 pairs. So let's say we would be selling the shoes that maybe like five pairs existed everywhere in the world. So that's what, that was the reason why they were selling pretty pretty well. But the problem was like I had to photograph every pair of shoes. So if I would list like 100 pair of shoes on the on eBay, I had to take 100 photos. So, uh, you know, so this is kind of like your introduction to photography in a way. No, <laughs> I, think the, like, I think the business, like the, the, the shoe business would probably exist if I would know uh, the stuff I know about photography that I know now. I knew nothing about photography then. Well, not to the extent that I know now. So, you know, I would, you know, it would be so much easier. Yeah, when you were doing these kind of like, these little hustle side gigs, uh, you had a full-time job at the same time. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I had a full-time job, but let's just, <laughs> I don't know who listens to this. So let's just say my manager was pretty flexible when I was actually working on that. So, okay. So my, now this kind of like pops a question in my head. Do you think that entrepreneurs are born or made or does it, does it even matter either way? Uh, I, well, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's, I would say born in a way that, you know, you can be a good, uh, you know, businessman. I cannot pronounce the word entrepreneur. So I'm going to use businessman. You can good, be a good business person because you learn a lot of stuff. But I think to actually enjoy it and, you know, and keep hustling and when everyone else is having beer or something like that, you have to be born to do that kind of stuff. So from my point of view, like I get... Even like before, like I'm, I might be jumping, you know, ahead a little bit, but like... It gives me so much more pleasure that when we introduce another product and it actually sells, than you know, than a product we introduced like two years ago. And I know it's doing really well. Like basically, it's not about how much profit you make. It's you know that you actually created something that you know you see your potential in. So you're referring to wooden banana at this point, yeah? Yes, yes, yes. So even that, like, like I, I understand this is like a podcast that hopefully a few wedding photographers are going to listen to. And, you know, maybe we'll talk about wedding photography. Maybe not. I'm not sure. But like with you, I think it's interesting how you've kind of always 
identified things that you can you can turn into a business and with wooden banana that that seems to be like your baby now so i mean as i said we will talk about wedding photography maybe but how did you kind of jump into uh wooden banana amidst being such a busy wedding photographer well i guess you know it all goes back to when i was when i had a you know what started in a way like when we had a courier company and uh when I was selling shoes, because the courier, like a lot of our customers that would sell in, I would send parcels to Poland, they would basically be buying stuff in UK that they could find cheaper than it was in Poland, and they would sell it in, in Poland on eBay. So because I was following, like I got to know all these all these people, it kind of make me, you know, I started to look for things, you know, like for opportunities. So like every time I would need something for myself. I would always ask myself a question, is there a way I can actually turn this into business? So it was the same with boxes. You know, I was looking for packaging for myself and I couldn't find anything that I liked. So for like for the first year in the business into photography, I was using wine boxes, but you know, it didn't look good. So eventually I thought, okay, maybe there's an opportunity to do something here. And I've basically found someone who had a you know factory or that they were making all sorts of uh, wooden stuff and asked him, okay, can you make something for me? And uh, and that's how it started. Yeah. So is that how you started with your wedding photography as well? You were looking for something and you couldn't find it, so you decided after your own wedding, perhaps, to just do it yourself. Uh, well, like you know, I've been taking photos for about twenty years because I started taking photos because I like motorsports, and uh, you know, so then when I met my wife and we start to, started to travel a little bit, like all our friends were telling us, "Oh, you should actually turn it into business. You know, your photos are pretty decent." Uh, but I never thought about it till we actually started to to look for a wedding photographer for our own wedding. And, you know, I did what probably most people still do because there was, at least then, because there was no social media. Uh, so I just Googled wedding photographers in the place where we were getting married. And I just, you know, I was actually surprised that some of the people were not that good. And it kind of struck me maybe like, okay, if they are not that good, but they still seem to be, you know, shooting quite a lot maybe i should try it as well and yeah and that's how it started so it's a different game um today in 2019 than i guess it was about 2010 ish when you started is that safe to say uh no i actually started in 2000 like i had maybe three or four weddings in 2013 but like the full first like let's say like half full season was 2014 all right, so to like date that time period, let's say 2012 to 2015, like that, that to me, I look at that as kind of like the the Wild West gold rush when everybody kind of jumped into wedding photography, and it was uh, yeah. it was wasn't easy to quickly succeed, but it was a little bit more attainable than it is now, I think. So let's uh, like let's just pretend that there's a couple of young bucks listening who are brand new, fresh never photograph weddings, but they want to get into it now. Uh, like what are the differences now compared to when you began uh, in terms of starting out and getting, you know, that quick success? Well, <laughs> that's like, I could talk uh, probably, you know, some grumpy tone about it for, for hours. But you, yeah, you, but... <laughs> you, should, like, you should do that. You should do the grumpy tone because I'm kind of sabotaging you in a way because I know we've done workshops together and I kind of know your thought on this topic. And I think it's okay to share that as well. So if you want to be the grumpy Polish Scottish guy, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like in general, the mar- market is so much more saturated just now. And, uh, 
like I think I, I I guess it's harder now for sure when you start. And like in some ways it's easier. Uh, I think it's easier to get like to book like first few weddings or even to have a business, but to actually like to build like a business that will be profitable and you know to make money to make sure that you're going to, you're going to have enough bookings for next year, and you know to get your prices right is much more difficult than it was a couple of years ago. And uh, uh, I think, I don't know, like, first of all, like I think in general, the level of photography is like much better. Like obviously the photos like five years ago, 10 years ago were probably as good, but there were not that many good photographers. So let's say the top 50, top 100 photographers, they were creating like really amazing, amazing work. But now you get like 1000 photographers or a few thousand photographers who create that the same kind of level of photography so i think that's the, the biggest difference uh i think the the, the problem uh in general like one of the problems is there seems to be the notion that people care a lot about you know the photos they are they are creating about the the, the art side of the job but they don't seem to care that much about the business side of the of the work even like like even uh, if you look at the, at workshops you know uh the, the, the workshops market is oversaturated as well, but it seems to be like there's more and more workshops when they focus on like, I don't know, having uh, someone with a guitar playing in the evening or having, I don't know, beers and stuff like that, which is cool. Like, I think the networking part is important, but there's less and less workshops that you see like, okay, there'll be like eight hours of just, you know, like, I don't know, when... The, the, the person who's organizing the workshop will share the knowledge of how to optimize your page or how to advertise on Facebook and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think that the problem is in general that people don't focus on business. They all want just to, you know, to create beautiful photos. So I, I, I agree with you. And you hear a lot of kind of experienced people in this industry. They, the two things that they sometimes will refer to is like the hustle game and focus on your business. So, like, what does that actually mean to you? Uh, well, I think, like, in general, like, you know, like, one of the examples for me is, like, people seem to care about social media much more than they care, for example, in, you know, about the word of mouth. So they don't invest in the relationship with the, with the customers. All they care about is the likes on the photos. And, uh, and... I don't know, like, I think it's also, like, because there's so much, so much, like, there's so many, like, new applications, new programs that make the photographer's job much easier than, it, you know, that it was, like, maybe five years ago. The people come into the business because they think it's going to be an easy ride, so they're not prepared to put in as many hours. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I think that's the problem. Like, it's it, in a way, it became too easy, and, you know, and that's why the people are not prepared to put the work. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Do you think that... Like, I don't know, maybe not for yourself personally. So take your, your own career um, out of the equation per se, because it, it sounds to me like you're going to like do hustling in different things. You're going to start a new business maybe in two years. Who knows what it'll be. But for someone new to the game who's thinking about getting into wedding photography, like, do you, do you think that wedding photography is a viable career? Uh, I guess, like, I wouldn't say like someone can be up or they'll be very like, few people that can be photographers for like 10, 20 years. So I think you can build, like, if you look at it the, from the uh, point of view, like you can be a photographer for 10 years or shoot weddings for 10, 15 years. But at the same time, when you're shooting weddings, you're learning about Facebook advertising, you're learning about, I don't know, uh, running accounts and all those 
all those different things that every business has to do. Then after 10 years, you'll have so much business knowledge that even if you decide to do, to do the something else that has nothing to do with photography, you have all these tools that you can start, I don't know, selling shoes online, for example, or something like this. So, you know. Yeah, I totally, I, I agree with you. Um, yeah, I, I agree in the sense that I, I think people, it's important to keep your options open and understand that maybe this is a stepping stone to something else. So I don't ask that question to like uh, make someone listening think, oh, Jesus, I shouldn't go down this path. I think you should go down this path if it's interesting to you, but keep your, you know, keep your wits and awareness about you because opportunities could slide in there that you don't expect along the way. Uh, you know, I, I think like, I guess like everyone is different. I cannot imagine shooting weddings for another five or 10 years. So I, at least I'm at the point when I think I'm going to shoot weddings for maybe another two years. I might be shooting weddings beyond that, but not enough, you know, as a full-time job. Uh, well, well t- I think like, also- take us through that. I mean, that, that I think that's interesting. It's interesting to me. And I kind of, you know, know some of the things you're thinking about doing, but to people who don't know, like what are, what's in the pipeline for you? What are you, what are you planning? That's a very top secret uh, information. <laughs> so like, I guess it's hard to say, like five, I don't know, maybe seven years ago, I would never think that, you know, I'm going to be a full-time photographer or, or I, like, I, let's say like I have some plans for the, maybe the next 12 months, but I'm not sure what's going to happen beyond that. So even with Wood and Banana, we're going to expand the business and maybe go like take it to a, like slightly different avenues. But yeah, but like one thing is for sure that at least now that I'm, I'm definitely not going to shoot like weddings full time in 2000, uh, 2022, maybe. All right. So let's let's kind of shift it over to Wooden Banana a bit. And Wooden Banana has been a sponsor of Way Up North since day one. <coughs> um, we, I think anyone kind of semi-associated with Way Up North, they, I mean, they know that. They know of the parties and Way Up North, Wooden Banana, it's a good partnership. But this is not like a sponsored podcast by no means by Wooden Banana. However, I am interested in, in hearing some of the things or some of your thinking with Wooden Banana. Uh, for example, like it's a business that, that you can scale you would think. And that that's kind of something that is difficult uh, with a wedding photography business. Like how do you scale a wedding photography business? So what has been like your mindset in terms of scaling Wooden Banana? I, I guess, you know, like the, the size of Wooden Banana that we are now at, it, it's probably approved that it was a scalable business, you know, and we definitely grew like uh, to a much bigger size than I ever expected. But there's still like a roof, like there's still only that many wedding photographers. So I think the next step for us would be uh, maybe go and, and, you know, and, and move away slightly from a wedding, uh, wedding photographer or, or in general, like, you know, professional photographers and maybe try to try to go into like, just like general public way. Uh, but I'm not too sure. Like we haven't decided yet if we're going to maybe try to do it as a different business with the same product or just keep it like, uh, keep everything under one roof. But yeah, like, uh, you know, I, I know you probably tried to kind of scale like your photography business at some point as well. And I was thinking about it as well. But for me, like what makes it different to boxes is like there's so much more, so much more responsibility. Like, let's say if we send like a set of boxes to someone and something goes wrong, that all we have to do is just replace the boxes. Like, uh, you know, scaling our photography business, it's, you know, like the things you have to worry about, like if someone will show up or I don't know if you know, just all the things that you normally responsible for by yourself, someone else will have to be responsible for that. And I don't know if I could trust someone like 100% with something like yeah, that. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, when you were just saying that kind of ran through my head that somebody listening might, 
might be like, oh, geez, like, how do you find the time to be a wedding photographer and also have this scalable, large business? Like, how do you balance your time? And you have a kid and you have a dog (laughs) and you're traveling like crazy. Like, where? I mean, I I don't really think that there is no such thing as work-life balance, but there is work-life rhythm. So like, how do you find your rhythm with, with work and life? Uh, yeah, it's constantly not perfect. Yeah, but I'm working on it. I, I, I just listened to a, a nice podcast. I think it was like a shoe brand or something like that. Basically, like in that podcast, the the, the, the CEO of the company said the key to the to to grow the business is to employ people that are like better at, than you at certain things. So, for example, like I'm not very good with admin. So, but so like we have a admin people that do like most of like 99% of food and banana emails. Uh, um, although I'm a professional photographer, uh, I'm not very good at photographing boxes. So we have an in-house photographer that takes photos of the boxes and that kind of stuff. So like my role in Wooden Banana is more like a strategic, like I just think like, oh, I'm responsible for social media in a way. And and so like every photo you see, you've, every photo you see on Instagram, uh, it's posted by me, but like I'm more like a strategic person now. I don't get involved like day-to-day running of the of the company and with, with, with weddings I don't I don't shoot that many anymore uh, this year I have think, I think I have 23 weddings and I shoot more like this year I have more local weddings than since I started probably because I used to have like 50-50 ratio with, with uh, weddings abroad and weddings in Scotland now uh, I think this year I only have about five weddings abroad I think in the in the ears of somebody listening when they're when they're hearing you speak about uh, wooden banana and, and delegating tasks or finding employees um it sounds to me like you find employees more or less. And so like that's a that's a confident step that you need to take when you look at your business and you're thinking to yourself, okay, the, I mean, the income's there and we can afford to bring somebody on. Um, take us through when you when you brought on your first um, team member to Wooden Banana and, and kind of like where the confidence was with you to know that it was the right time to do so. Yes, I probably, I probably done it like, well... Like wooden banana is like the way it's kind of structured. There are two sides. Like there's a manufacturing side, which basically it kind of in a way works as I don't personally own that uh, part of the business. We more like more or less like subcontractor. So our subcontractor, the everything he does is for wooden banana, but still we don't own any like I don't know engraving machine or anything like that. That's all subcontractor. So what up like the, the the side of the business that I'm responsible for is everything else that you know beyond when the box leaves the factory. So yeah, so the first person I personally employed was my sister. Basically, she's in charge of logistics, and uh, I probably have done it a bit too late because I remember I've done a workshop in Poland, uh, and you know during the workshop I didn't have time to answer emails. But at that point I was still responsible for emails from Wood and Banana and my, you know, all the other personal emails. And I got back to my room and I had like 160 or 170 emails in my mailbox. And that was the moment when I decided, oh, okay, I think it's you'll be good for the company and it will be good for my I don't know uh, I don't know well being to employ someone and you know and I introduced my sister to the company and then we got another person and now we have a small team of people who are responsible for different things. And earlier you, you mentioned that you kind of were scratching, scratching your own itch when you started Wooden Banana. Um, but it, it sounds also like you're a pretty curious guy. Like you like um, motor car, motor race, car racing, and you like, like a lot of different things. So like, I'm thinking about somebody out there who has a lot of interests and they need to boil it down to something that can be, you know, 
to something that could actually turn into a business like what's the first step when you're when you're thinking in those terms um like it's not easy to to just like something and think it's going to make you money so like what kind of direction would you suggest somebody goes goes down with their thinking when they're thinking about starting a new business i guess it would be a like difficult question to answer because i'm maybe lucky in a way that i I'm quite interested in like running a business and it doesn't necessarily have to be business in something that it's interesting to me. I'm like, for like, I don't really know a lot about wood in general, but I like selling stuff made of wood, if you know what I mean. So, you know, so I, I guess if I could see the niche in anything, I would still maybe try to turn it into a business because, you know, the, 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 the process of building a new website, the process of creating new social media accounts, the, so the process of creating, I don't know, like photographs and for that business, that's what I enjoy. So it doesn't necessarily, like the product itself is, that doesn't necessarily have to be interested. In. So what is it, what is it within the process that uh, kind of like sparks that excitement with you? Like what I mean is like with running a business, like what part of the process of running a business um, speaks to you the most? I think like the moment when you see like if it's going to work. Uh, so yeah. So as I said earlier, like let's say if I like for example we introduced like maybe like twelve months or something like that. We introduced uh, wooden mem- wooden thank you cards, wooden banana. They like one of the cheapest product we have uh, on our website. So in terms of like you know creating a profit, they probably like a small small percentage. But when I realized they actually sell, that was like I was like really happy you know because i haven't seen them anywhere else so it just it was like an idea that i had or maybe like another idea that at the time you know was new that was probably copied a few times just now when we decided that we're going to do like packaging you can also outsource packaging with us so you can probably just basically send us the gallery work like build the box engrave the box like wrap it up and send it to the customer when we came up with this idea it was again it was something like it was it's good to see that we doing something that helps people and uh, and you know and just create something out of nothing yeah i got you i got you so it's it's the um the the positive results of taking a risk is kind of like your itch in a way yeah 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 i guess so, when yeah. uh I, I, like, I guess I, <clears throat> I guess it's i don't know from i, I guess it's uh it's hard to explain, even harder when English is not your first language. <laughs> I guess it's just the feeling you get, you know, when you when you do something and then and it catches, it gives you that feeling that you know, like that instead of watching Netflix, uh, you spend in another six hours in front of the computer and you end up like I don't know, adding products or adding, I don't know, making changes on your website and it's three o'clock and you don't even feel tired. It's that kind of feeling, you know. If you get that feeling, that means you you're probably doing something that you know. Yeah, you for sure. Do. So I remember, and you know, I remember like I listened to the Lumi podcast that we probably talk about a few times, and there was a there were a, there was a CEO of the mattress company that you know he decided to sell mattresses without knowing anything about selling mattresses. And what they did, they created a website when they you know put just one photo of the mattress that wasn't even there. It was you know it was just like I don't know downloaded from so somewhere from the internet, and. It was like a test. So they sold the first mattress within like 15 minutes and they closed the website. They decided just like with that gut feeling, they decided this is going to be, this this will work. We're going to build a company that sells mattresses. So they shut the website and they then they had to build like a mattress that they wanted. So it took them another maybe a year or two 
So just on that one sale, they had a gut feeling that they're going to open a business that's now worth like millions and millions. So that's uh, that's kind of a good metaphor for the satisfaction you get out of entrepreneurship in a way. I guess so, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I remember you mentioning that story. And the Lumi podcast is really good, by the way. This one. If anyone's if anyone's made it this far in this one afterwards, highly recommend that one. Yeah. I, I guess you also become like... Let's, you know, I've been lucky that we, you know, with Food and Banana, we started the company at the right time. There was nothing like that, especially in Europe. And, you know, and like at that time, like if someone would tell me that at one point we're going to host a party for, I don't know, 200 photographers in Cannes, I would just laugh, you know. It was probably the same with you. Like when you started Way Up North, obviously like you knew it was going to be much bigger, but I guess you didn't expect it to go all over Europe and, you know, and have like 10th editions or something like that. So, you know, I guess it gives you confidence, but it also gives you the, it gives you uh, confidence, but it also gives me motivation to try something new. You know, like maybe like from, with my experience, the, the one business I would probably be afraid of trying is the business when I have to uh, lease a huge, uh, like, I don't know, like a unit because with, you know, with the, with the, Going back to the Polish daily, we had, you know, we had a lease for 10 years and that was like the stressful part of closing the business when you still have nine years of, bus- of lease, you know, to go through. Yep. Yeah, that would be a but, daunting, like, because you're accountable to somebody else and it's not your staff. It's, uh, you know, it's the landlord or whoever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm curious what you're like uh, personally. Um, and what I mean by that is like, okay, I know myself and I am the worst at like turning it off. Um, when I'm with my three kids, when I'm with my wife, when I go on holidays, like I, I can't turn it off uh, at all. And it's something I'm trying to improve on, but you know, it the struggle is real. So I'm curious what you're like um, when you're like away from the businesses and you're not photographing weddings, like, how are you able to turn it off if you are at all? Uh, well, I'm I'm trying, but it's like a constant struggle. So one thing I managed to like force myself into now, for example, is like I leave my phone on during the night, but I switch off the access to the internet. So if I get an email, I don't know the email is coming. So let's say if there's an emergency and my family can always phone me, but no one can reach me for email, so I don't get any notifications. So this is like it might be like a small thing, but it's uh, the first step. I guess, you know, I have a small daughter now. She's nearly two. And so that kind of helped me switch to switch off now because, uh, you know, you have three kids, you probably know yourself, but like all the business things are important, but like there's nothing better when I see her smile. So, you know, you get the feeling that this is actually much more important than anything else like together. So, yeah, uh, I think I'm getting better. I guess, you know, I guess it, it's, you know, the reason I'm getting better is because I have now people that are taking care of the stuff I usually uh, I was usually taken care of by by myself. So if I can see the email that needs answering, I know someone will answer that email for me, so I don't have to worry about that. What was it like when you like found out you're going to be a dad, and did that like alter your perspective on entrepreneurship and and kind of what you were doing with your with your career path i guess you know there are probably two two ways you can look at it like from one point of view i know i have to cut down the amount of hours i'm spending in front of computer Uh, in general i'm the amount of time i'm spending working but also i know i'm like there's so much more so much more responsibility in a way that i have to take care of you know of not just my future and maybe my wife's future but also of my daughter's future and you know we 
uh, as you probably know, uh, we kind of at the point when we're thinking about moving to another country, and you know, moving like moving to another country mean, means for most of the people means like finding a ju- new job, and uh, you know, basically, you know, there's so many changes, and that most of these changes are scary. But for us, because I'm I'm a you know I've got an online business, basically like not just with boxes but also with photography, you know, we can move into another country. Uh, just means like changing the address, but from business side of point of view, doesn't doesn't really change anything. And you know, it also gives me freedom. Like, if there's one thing I want to kind of teach my daughter is like to be curious about the world. Like, our plan is to travel as much as we can, like before she will have to go to school. So you know, so now it gives me motivation to work as hard as possible to actually make that you know well to make that possible because you know because I can just go to Bali now and work from there, which is, you know, so how many people can do has the You just kind of reminded me about the political climate in the United Kingdom, and has that kind of changed your outlook on business slash family? Oh, man. <laughs> like, it's so, like, it, you know, like my views about politics, and it's it's scary. Like, yeah, it, yeah we, like, yeah, like I'm, I'm really kind of. I don't want to go into politics here just now, but I'm uh, like when I watch the news and I, or I read the, like the news on Google, I cannot believe what's happening in the world just now. But like the, the yeah. So one of the reasons we were thinking about uh, uh, moving back to Poland is it is like political climate, but this is like very very small percentage because politics in Poland are just as bad. Uh, so yeah, we'd have to switch off the TV over there as well. But yeah, like the, to be honest, the main reason why we're thinking about moving to to Poland is the weather. Like we really, really fed up with the weather in Scotland. So yeah, that's yeah, that makes sense. Reason. You need a you need a real winter in your life. Yeah, but like, but you also need a real summer, and in Poland we get real summers. So yeah, but like, obviously, like going back to the family, like because I have a like a. We have like a young, in a way, we have like young family. I'm not young, but my daughter is young, so it helps to be closer to to the, my family. Back yeah, for Poland, sure. You know, even from like even from like practical points of view. But like with politics, well, I don't know. Like this, like I think like what summarizes politics like worldwide just now is that the president of United States is uh, tweeting that he's talking to Kanye West about releasing some American rapper from a prison in Sweden. <laughs> And when I read that tweet, I thought, this is not happening. You know, this is like... Yeah, ASAP. <laughs> you know, and I kind of, and I kind of joke to my wife, like we, we nearly, like we have like 99%, we know like 99% sure where we're going to live in Poland. And I kind of joke to my wife that uh, maybe when we move there, I'm going to get involved in politics on like a very, like a low level, like just are, are in the city serious? or something like that, because... Because that, that, that's kind of cool. Well, I guess, like, like I didn't know that. Like, are you serious? Well, I guess yeah. I'm I'm interested in politics a little bit, and you know, um, maybe not on like a national level or even like I don't know much smaller level. But like I'm I'm I don't know. Like when I when I ask myself what I would like to do when I'm sixty or seventy or fi- maybe hopefully like fifty five or something like that. I don't know. It's probably to be involved in something that when I can help people to to have better lives and I guess like getting involved in a, in politics on a small level in like a small town or something like that, that would be like the first way to do it. You know, the other way would be to do some kind of like, I don't know, uh, charity work. And, 
And I guess if you look at who's in charge in many, like in most like powerful uh, countries in the world, there's a chance for everyone to be a politician. <laughs> if they can do it, surely I can do uh, it. Like, as, as you know, so if anyone listens to it, like I don't want to, like I, I don't want to, you know, there, there are probably people like with different political views, like listening to this. So I don't want to like, uh, I don't want to like annoy anyone, but I guess if like American president has a vocabulary as good as, you know, probably worse than me, that means there's a chance for me. <laughs> so he's an inspiration for you is what you're saying no i'm joking i'm joking i'm joking <laughs> yeah like in a negative, in a negative i'm totally way, I guess kidding so, yeah. um so you you you, all, you you keep dropping these uh things in my head that i that i remember about you and when you're speaking about kind of longevity and who knows maybe a po- political career but when you're thinking about no, like political career is like, but, no, that's why, let's like, this was a fat to big. But what but. I'm thinking of now is uh, you changed your health recently. Do, um, well, at the start of this year, if I remember correctly, did you do that because you were thinking long term or did you change your your health um, things like on a, did you lose a bet <laughs> or like what was the uh, the thinking there? No, no, I don't know. It's just at some point it kind of like, I guess there was like so many things over the years, like, I'm a big fan of like, you know, like David Attenborough stuff. And, you know, when you, you cannot say you like, again, again, like if you cannot say you love animals and keep eating animals, <laughs> let's look at it this way. So, yeah. So I promised myself I'm I'm not going to eat meat from like the beginning of this year. And, and, you know, and I kept that promise and it only meant to be first for a month that, you know, I decided I might not eat meat for the, for, like for the whole year. But now I'm think I'm at the point when I think I'm not going to eat meat anymore like till i die basically uh yeah but it's like it, it you know it, you know me i'm not a very like health obsessed person so yeah it's more from the point of view that you know i just don't want to eat our I don't know, little brothers, so basically. did you notice it uh, an effect on your on your health and how you feel i guess everybody's different so i mean it's not like uh, no n- no i didn't know uh, i guess maybe mentally yeah i feel good about myself that you know i can refuse to eat uh, sausage or something like that but but not not you know because i guess the 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 reason is like my other promise was i'm not going to eat chocolate but i only managed to keep that promise for about <laughs> a little harder than, than me <laughs> yeah like you know uh, like what i'm sitting now i'm sitting in my office and there's a treadmill behind me my wife bought me a treadmill uh, i think two years ago like not she wasn't suggesting anything. Ask her, can you buy me a treadmill? So she bought me like a fairly good treadmill, but I haven't used it. For so it's just a really years. big decoration in your house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Not the kind of, dec- re- you know, I wouldn't uh, recommend buying a treadmill as a decoration. It doesn't look that good. But, <laughs> but like, I don't know, like, I guess I'm the kind of person that really needs to be motivated uh, to do something. Like, uh, you know, I got into like a really healthy uh, you know, way of living before we were getting married and I decided I need to look good on the photos. And uh, yeah, like I started to run and I lost like, I think like 18 kilograms in a couple of months. But since then... Well, when I you enter up. your political stage of your life, maybe that's when your running stage of your life will return. Who knows? You have a few years, you have a few years yeah, of chocolate well, hopefully, and all the rest of that. Yeah, but I guess, you know, like... This might just be an excuse, but you know, when when I was, it was much easier for me to kind of be in that healthy kind of way of living when I wasn't a photographer, because for me, like I like sports, like when you do when there's some kind of like you know you have a you need to compete with someone, 
but because most of my friends are not wedding photographers, they can do stuff when I'm at work and the other way when I'm at when I'm free during the week, they have like normal jobs. So it was much easier for me to go and play football with my friends uh, before I became a wedding photographer. So I guess this is like something that that's another reason why I'm kind of slowly thinking about moving away from weddings that it gives me like you will I will get freedom. Uh, you know, I will get back freedom to do stuff at the moment. The, at the moment, I cannot. Yeah, I'm not totally makes to sense. Um, with your, like, we don't need to keep talking about, you know, Mark Bakura's <laughs> health, but yeah, I think wedding photography, like. We, <laughs> this, is, this is one topic <laughs> I didn't expect. Well, maybe to, super to talk dry. About. But like when you're doing a lot of, a ton of weddings, when you <laughs> yeah. were really busy, I mean, that takes a toll on your body and like you need to be in pretty reasonable physical health to do that. Did you like, did your are you looking ahead to life after weddings because of the physical toll of it? Uh, no, like, no, I don't think so. Like, actually, like, I like the process of shooting weddings. I actually like editing. It's more like constant, like, hustle, uh, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm maybe not enjoying, like, social media that has something to do with weddings as much as I used to, like, years ago. Like, basically, like, being bombarded by photos of white dress is not necessarily good for you uh for more than five years at least it's not that good for me so yeah so this is you know i I, I love shooting i like the process of taking photos but like um you know the whole idea of running a wedding photography business it's maybe slightly less appealing than it was so with with all the things that you have on the go right now like what's uh what's exciting for you now looking ahead like what's uh piquing your interest the most as you kind of like are entering the next phase of your your career uh on a not a professional level i'm like the more like like well let's just say like with like let's say let's use instagram as an example so i try to keep the amount of accounts i follow on instagram at kind of the same level so i only follow new accounts when i unfollow someone else so i'm unfollowing like some like photography accounts and i'm following more and more like architecture stuff because because like the you know we decided to move back to Poland. We want to be like a very modern, like a cubic metal, you know, minimalistic house. So I'm like obsessed with that kind of stuff now. So I just keep following like, uh, you know, modern architecture accounts basically. So this is kind of like becoming like becoming like a small obsession, but not on a professional level. Well, it seems to me you draw in a lot of personal interests into your professional, so into your professional life. So it doesn't sound too crazy. Maybe you're going to be an architect one day or, or, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, to funny thing is, like, I actually studied architecture for a year. Uh, <laughs> the many layers of Mark Bakura. <laughs> yeah, and like to make it even even uh, stranger, when I think about it now, like I study architecture uh, in Poland, and actually, like that was something that I wanted to do, but because the university was about two hours away from my house i miss my family so much that i decided after one year this is not for me i cannot be so far away from my family so if someone would tell me then that in 10 years i'm going to live like in five years i'm going to live in another country and 10 years later i'm going to be shooting a wedding as far as new zealand and i'll be there by myself i would never ever believe that so yeah, you need to start you, you need to start your uh, your autobiography <clears throat> before you forget all these things <laughs> No, but that's it. Like all these facts, are, all the interesting facts are. That's it. No. There's no more. 
So it'd have to be very, more of very a short autobiography. <laughs> All right, man, let's yeah. wrap it up. Um, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I know you're a busy guy and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you at the big show this October. Yeah, me too. This is going to be like, a, I don't know, like a circle. I remember a stepping, like, as you know, I'm not saying this because we know each other, but like the milestone in my photography career was when I came to your uh, Jakob and Fer Huaristis workshop in Sweden. So at that point, I, would, I didn't, I would never expect that one day I'm going to back to Sweden to be on a stage in front of, I don't know, two or three yeah, hundred. We're, we're lucky to so, have yeah. you. So we're stoked it all worked out. Another surprise. Okay. All right, man. Yeah, well, get back to the family, job. get back to the boxes and uh, take care. Thank you very much. Cheers. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.